Well, a few days ago, my daughter came to me and she asked me, Dad, what's your favorite movie? Like, what is your favorite movie? And, you know, without much hesitation, I actually said The Avengers because, you know, it's an epic coming together of heroes to save the earth from certain doom. And it was kind of the first movie of its kind where we had that many major roles of those kind coming together. And so I told her that was my favorite. And uh, maybe you have a favorite family movie and you want to throw it in the chat, you can do that now. Uh, we'll just see what comes up, see what uh, each other likes, and maybe you'll have a new movie to watch at the end of this all. But uh, as I thought about a little bit more, this is maybe a little less child-appropriate of a movie, but still one of my favorites, and it's Braveheart. Uh, there's a lot of violence, and there's a good movie uh, for adults. But in it, Mel Gibson plays a character named William Wallace. And he is a brilliant and fierce warrior slash leader. Just really epic, really great storyline, massive battles, and uh, it's just a good all-around movie. But in the movie, he says this, every man dies, but not every man truly lives. Every man dies, but not every man truly lives. No, we can spend a lot of time in this life working for a living, trying to fulfill our own desires, and you know, always trying to fill that empty void with another pastry or a chocolate bar. That one speaks to me personally. I have a massive gaping hole in my stomach almost all the time. But ultimately, you know, this is not living. This is just filling the need one day at a time and just trying to cram something into that void in our lives to try and make ourselves feel alive. Well, today my message is titled, Jesus is alive. And my hope is that we can together get a new revelation of what Jesus being alive means to us and how it should be affecting the way we live our lives. So we're going to start off with reading through Ephesians 2, verses 1 to 7. I didn't put it all in the sub notes for you because, well, let's be honest, that would be a lot. So look it up later, or if you're really quick on your Bible app, you can pull it up right now as we read. But it says this, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God's so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he, has raised us, for he has raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of his, the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. That's so good. I could just end there and my sermon would be done, but I've got a bit more written down. So, now before we talk about how Jesus is alive and how we're alive in Christ, we need to get a little snapshot of the backstory. We need to take a look back to see 
what happened before this was said by Paul to the Ephesians. And by the way, the book of Ephesians is like one of my favorites. So if you ever want to read a book of the Bible, pick that one because it's good. So way back in Genesis, we see that Adam and Eve fall into sin. And then, you know, sin continues to stay in the world, passing from generation to generation. Prophets start speaking of the coming of a Messiah or a Savior. And, like, this is super snapshot version. This is not, like, real detailed. So bear with me. With very specific words, so this is the prophets, they have very specific words about who this Messiah would be. Things like born of a virgin, without sin, a descendant of the king of David, born in Bethlehem. Like These are pretty specific prophecies that they're talking about for the coming Messiah. Too many for sheer coincidence or just anyone fitting the bill. To try and atone for sins, offerings were made regularly, but this was not enough for the Israelites. This was not enough to bridge that gap back to God because of the sin that Adam and Eve had fallen into from the very beginning and it had continued throughout history. Trying to live by the legalism of the law was impossible. The desperate need for a savior is very evident through all of the Old Testament. Then enters Jesus. The savior, Messiah, Emmanuel, who was nothing like the people would expect. Now, I imagine most people thought that he would be some mighty warrior that would come and overthrow the current power of the day and free them into some kind of miraculous uh, victory where they would just be eating um, ribeye steak and bacon all day or something like that. I don't know. But they were thought, thinking that it was going to be some amazing, mind-blowing, whoa, Jesus is here or the Messiah is here type moment, but that's not how he started into it. Nope, for the first 30 years of his life, he seemed like pretty much more of a normal guy aside from... Um, you know, spending a few days in Jerusalem by himself without his parents and things like that, that should never happen to normal children. But after 30 years of life, he started his three years of ministry. He shed new light on old truths, extended hope and grace to all people, and performed miracles and healings. In three years, he did incredible things. You know, a few weeks ago, I spoke about how Jesus is the point. And I capture a bit more of this in that sermon about this backstory, about why we needed a Savior so much. So if you haven't listened to that one, you can actually go back on our website, mygatewaychurch.ca, go to the sermons tab, and it's there, along with the rest of this series. It's also on the Church Center app. If you missed any of them, I encourage you, jump back. Every single message was awesome. And uh, Pastor Greg's and Kimmy's and Kate's, they were better than mine, so listen to those ones especially. But... Uh, but in order to fill, in order to fulfill what Jesus came to accomplish, you know, to redeem the world, to be the fulfillment of the law, to be mankind's savior, a final sacrifice had to be made. And this isn't like sacrificing one final sheep because that's going to do it this time. This, is, this sacrifice is going to do it. Me putting the chocolate bar down is what needs to happen for me to be saved. No, that's not what's going to work here. No, Jesus was the final sacrifice. Jesus died a gruesome death on the cross, paying the penalty for all our sins. Now, if the story ended there, we wouldn't really have a whole lot to hope in. 
Jesus was then resurrected from the grave. This is the cool part of the story. Jesus was resurrected from the grave, dealing the final blow, overcoming death itself, and leaving sin utterly defeated. This bridges the gap between us and God, restoring our relationship with him, and is why we can now live free from the effects of sin. That's amazing. Well, as many of you know, and if you've been to any of the grocery stores or Costco or anything like that recently, you'll know that Easter is right around the corner because it's showing up in the stores. And Easter is one of my favorite times of year. It's a time to reflect on and celebrate the finished work of Jesus on the cross, to celebrate his resurrection, to celebrate how we are, were able to restore relationship with Jesus, with God, the Father. But if I'm also being honest, it's also a time to eat ridiculous amounts of food and chocolate. Things like hot crust buns, ham, mini eggs, and chocolate bunnies. If you've ever, if you have a favorite food to eat at Easter, throw it in the chat and let's have some fun with this because I'm sure some of you really enjoy eating certain things at Easter time that some of us have never had and maybe it would just open up a whole new world of possibilities. Uh, but have you ever gotten a, I actually went to the store, this is from the dollar store, so it's really high quality chocolate. But have you ever gone a chocolate Easter bunny only to have the severe disappointment that it was hollow? I mean, what's the point? I don't want to eat air. I don't. I want to eat chocolate. That's why I bought it. Or, you know, maybe you want one of those Mr. Munchy bar chocolates, the Mr. Munchy bunnies with the little Rice Krispies in them, those are good. So if you haven't had one of those before, get one this year. It will blow your mind. But if I were to dream up, and this is me hypothetically dreaming of one day that someone will actually come out with this. If I were to dream up the perfect chocolate Easter bunny, it would be like one of those little Lindor chocolate balls with the creamy chocolate centers in them. Uh, but it would be the size of this and full of that stuff. And let me tell you, I would gain some serious weight. But um, just a snapshot of my past, my parents used to own a chocolate business called Heavenly Sweets Chocolate. So chocolate is a little bit in my blood. It's in my DNA. And back in the day, I may or may not have eaten vast amounts of chocolate during those years, and my parents may or may not have ever known how much I really ate, even though they do know that I did eat a lot. Um, it's amazing that they ever made any money off it, let me tell you that. But uh, they made everything from these toonie breakfasts, which were like chocolate, eggs, and bacon, which is the best way to start your morning, uh, to truffles and solid, not, not hollow, these are solid, uh, full chocolate tool sets, like a hammer and pliers and stuff. Really cool stuff. Uh, but one of my favorite things that my mom and dad ever made was uh, this chocolate bark with pop rocks in it. So when you'd eat it, it would pop in your mouth. And it was really uh, surprising when you didn't know that that was in there. But uh, back to Jesus. We've talked enough about chocolate. Sorry, it's just love chocolate. If, you, if that resonates with you, amen. I love chocolate, and I am so glad that is a part of my life. But back to Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 15, verses 17 to 20, it says this. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless. And you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. 
And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. Death is the consequence of sin. In Romans 23, it says, for the wages of sin are death. In order for sin to be defeated, Jesus had to prove that he was without sin and be raised to life again. If Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, then our faith is as empty. Our faith is as empty as the complete letdown of a hollow Easter bunny. Just useless. Yes, I will likely eat this after still, but useless. It would be no good to us. If Jesus was not raised from the grave, our faith would be as hollow as that Easter bunny right there. So it is in the fact that Jesus is alive, that he was resurrected, that I have assurance of salvation, that I can live differently because Jesus is alive in me. And I can live a fully alive, I can live fully alive in Christ. My trust, my faith, my confidence, my insurance, my peace, my hope is all in that one statement that Jesus is alive. Now, just to like get one thing out of the way, and I know I've talked about this before, and this past year or so, things have been crazy in our world, but the sky is not falling. We can be like Chicken Little, we can be like the wolf who cried out, but the sky is not falling. Speaking generally, and not saying that everyone in churches are like this, but the church does have a little bit of a tendency to overreact to bad news as if the sky was falling and there was no way to stop it. I can think of many instances over the past 10 years that churches and even some church leaders have acted like all is lost and there is no hope. Whether someone got voted into a political position that wasn't the one we thought should win, or was, all of a sudden, all hope is lost. Your team did not win the Super Bowl tonight. All hope is lost. The world is ending, you know? Or COVID is still a reality and we have to keep sacrificing things that we used to enjoy. All hope is lost. Oh, it's over. I can even think back to things like Y2K in the year 2000 and, you know, the big stock market crash in 2008. It sent members of churches hurling into fear and chaos. But why? Here's the thing. Regardless of the state of the world, Regardless of what's going on out there, what madness seems to be around us, Jesus is still in control. He didn't get voted in and he can't get voted out. You know, it's not like some weird election where you think maybe the votes got rigged or who knows. Jesus didn't get voted in. He cannot get voted out. He is in control. Because Jesus is alive, we can live a different life from the rest of the world. We can act and react from a place of peace and an attitude of assurance. We should be the ones sending out the most hope, the good news of Jesus. In Isaiah 66, verse 1, the Lord says, Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Isaiah 55, verse 8 to 11, and some of this is a very familiar verse. My thoughts are not like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. The rain and the snow came down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth, 
They caused the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out, and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. So good. Jesus is far greater, far grander, far more magnificent than anything we can imagine. When the world seems upside down, when things look, can look bleak, we have Jesus who is alive and well to turn to. Typically, when we quote Isaiah 55, uh, we look at verses 8 and 9, we kind of stop there. But I love what it says in verse 11, that everywhere his word goes, it produces fruit. Everywhere I send it, it will prosper, says the Lord. So friends, this is the power of the gospel for us. Our friends, families, and communities, they can all benefit from this. The gospel is the life-giving hope of Jesus, that Jesus is alive. I'm going to say that many, many times. Jesus is alive, friends. It's time to get that reality inside of us and live like it. Colossians 3, verses 1 to 11. Again, the reference is there for you on the screen, but if you want to look it up later, go for it. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful and earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still a part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature. Put on your new nature. And be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Church, we have a new nature, a new way to be human. Actually, before I came up here, I was in my office listening to A New Way to Be Human by Switchfoot, which dates me a little bit, but I don't care. It's a good song. Uh, but we have the power, the authority, and the grace of Jesus inside of us. We have the power, the authority, and the grace of Jesus inside of us. As we follow Jesus, we should be more and more reflected. We should more and more reflect the character and nature of God. Now, this verse isn't saying that we should all instantly be transformed once we accept Jesus as our Savior. It's not saying that. It's not saying it's an instant process. But it is saying as we follow Jesus, learn about him, live in obedience to him, that we will be changed from the inside out. One piece of advice I can give is this. Don't base your obedience on anything other than the finished work of Jesus. 
when we live every day with the obedience to Jesus, following his footsteps, and we base all of our decision-making off of that finished work of Jesus, life becomes simple. Since Jesus died for our sins, overcame the power of sin and death, was resurrected fully alive, our lives should look different than those who don't have the same truth inside of them. You know, in the spring, we were talking about um, the new normal, which got old fast. But the new normal was something that was talked about a lot. Well, the new normal can affect things around us. But friends, we have a new way to be human. We have Jesus inside of us. So the way that we act and react should look different still. Our new normal should be that we're not normal. <laughs> Some parts of this message could have come across a little heavy. It could have come across a little pointed even. But if we're going to believe in Jesus, if we're really going to believe in Jesus, we need to believe the whole truth of the gospel and the whole truth of what the Bible says. Church, Jesus is alive, and it's his desire for us to live life to the fullest, storing up treasures in heaven. Paul says this in Philippians 1.21, but for me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. To live is Christ and to die is gain. He's saying that if we are to truly live, if we are to truly be alive, then we should be living lives that reflect that are reflective of the one who gave us life. Our lives are Christ. Our lives are all about Jesus. It is all about Jesus. Every minute of every day. So as I'm nearing the end here, I'd just like to take a moment. Take a moment to pray with all of you that you would experience the life-giving presence of Jesus in a whole new way that now that we've gone through these six weeks of the Jesus' series, that we would just have this whole new revelation of what Jesus is to us, that Jesus is our friend, that Jesus is grace, that Jesus is the point, Jesus is happy, Jesus is here. Wherever you are, Jesus is here, and that Jesus is alive. I'll pray for you that we would grab a hold of this new way to be human, that as Christ lives in us, that we can be truly alive, set free from sin, from fear, anxiety, worries, and stress, that we would experience his perfect peace, his mercy, his compassion, his grace, his friendship, that we would live lives that are extravagant and bold. So Lord Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for each one that's joined us this morning. I thank you that they're tuned in, they're checking out church, they're they're paying attention. I thank you that we have this opportunity to share you with them. So God, even as we're praying together, I just ask that you would invade their space, invade their lives, reveal yourself to them in a new way and give them your peace. God, I pray that you would give courage to each one to speak your word, to speak your gospel, to bring hope to the world to spread hope, to spread joy. God, I pray that as people who follow you, we would be bringers of light to a dark world, that we would bring flavor to the world as your salt, that we would be different, that we would be unique, 
that we would live like there's a new way to be human. So God, we just thank you. We thank you that you are alive. We thank you for your power inside each one of us. We just pray that as we go out from this, from our homes, as we go into our workplace, whether it's the grocery store, wherever, if we're just surfing online or we're on social media, we pray that your power would flow through us and that your gospel would carry its message to the ends of the earth and that fruit would grow from it. Amen. And if you're just joining us today and you've never made a commitment to follow Jesus, you've never asked him to come into your life, I'd like to pray with you now. And it's, it's actually super simple. We're just talking. We're talking to Jesus. Just like you would talk to your friend or your neighbor. And uh, so as I pray this prayer, just repeat this after me, even in your own homes, in your own spaces. So Lord Jesus, I thank you for your final sacrifice. I thank you that you are resurrected, that you were made alive again. I welcome you into my life. I choose to follow you and follow in your ways. I thank you that I can be full of faith, way more full than a chocolate Easter bunny even, and that as I accept you into my life, you would come and fill me, that you would come into my life and that my life would be radically different from this moment forward, that I'd have a new way to be human as well. So Jesus, we thank you for coming into my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, there's a spot in the chat that says, I commit my life to Jesus. If you would click the raise hand button on there and fill out the really simple form, we'd love to reach out to you and celebrate with you because this is one of the most magnificent, amazing choices you will ever make in your life. This is a new and exciting page in your life and choosing to become fully alive in Jesus is just an amazing thing. So church, as I close today, I just want to leave you with this one final thought. Jesus is alive and it's time to live like it.